This is an ABC podcast. Hello, Sinead. This little girl is me at kindergarten. I will always protect her. She's been on my dressing table since the photo was taken 67 years ago. As your inner child never leaves you, she remains honest and vulnerable, trying to find good in all people. Ask yourself if you would allow anyone to abuse her or treat her badly, mentally or physically. Obviously, the answer is no. This is an excellent tool to support your emotions during the most difficult times in life. I suggest that you frame a photo of yourself as a young child to keep things in perspective. It's proved to me to forgive myself for having made many bad decisions in so many ways. Too trusting, which I believe isn't a fault in character, simply naive. Kindest regards, Lynn. After hours and hours of chatting on the phone, Lynette Crimmins sent me this email. Attached was a photo of her as a little girl in a beautiful frame. She's smiling in the photo and wearing the checked pinafore commonly worn by little girls in the 50s in Australia. In the picture, she looks happy. But I wondered why she would send me such an intimate photo. We'd spent hours on the phone talking about the life she'd lived, growing up in Melbourne and eventually making her way to Western Australia and settling with her husband and their three children. But what she sang to me in that email had a ring of truth. Many of us have looked at a photo of ourselves as a child and thought, weren't things simpler then? But not all of us have lived an extraordinary life like Lynette Crimmins. So how did she end up at the centre of a diamond heist? Last episode, we learned how Perth's colourful character Lindsay Rodden and security officer Barry Crimmins pulled off the heist. We heard court testimony about an illegal international diamond network involving a Russian contact, air hostesses and gem trader Teddy Horowitz in Switzerland. But it becomes personal and darker when Barry Crimmins' wife Lynette comes on board. This episode, we're going to tell Lynette's story based on what she's told me in a series of phone calls, much of which matches up with what I've read in court documents and Royal Commission papers. You're going to hear a lot from me because she's reluctant to go on tape. I really hope you don't get sick of the sound of my voice. Because we're reflecting on Lynette's story today, the only one of the original three who can and is willing to talk about what happened. But we're not talking about it in the way it was reported in the 90s. Things for women have moved on a bit, and how society talks about them has too. I think it's important to tell Lynette's story as she told it to me. I'm Sinead Mangan. This is Pink Diamond Heist, Episode 3, Lynette. So in my conversations researching this story, people think all three conspirators are dead or have disappeared. They're right about Lindsay Rodden. He's dead. But it turns out Barry and Lynette Crimmins are alive and well, living in different states in Australia. My producer, Sarah Allaly, spoke to Barry, but after a bit of a chat, he explained that it was dirty water under the bridge and he preferred to leave it that way. But eventually, I got hold of Lynette, who had a lot more to say. I was nervous about contacting Lynette and she was equally shocked to hear from me. But we ended up talking for hours that first night. My goodness, that woman has lived some life, but she still manages to have a sense of humour about it all. She could remember details that took me thousands of pages of documents to get my head around. 
Her recall was kind of a double-edged sword because she remembered everything she saw and heard. This photographic memory later causes her problems because she's a liability to those around her. We're going to get into that later on. She was clear she didn't want me to record our conversations, but I have permission to share her version of events. She's asked me to get someone to read these lines out for her first. Hello, Sinead. I agree to speak with you privately. Also, if you require further information, I will help you. However, I won't go onto a voice recording pod. Out of the respect for my mother and family, who have already suffered deeply over the years. Thanking you in anticipation. Kindest regards, Lynette. Some of her stories are pretty serious, but she often had me in stitches. Age does not seem to weary her. She's still pretty sparky. Lynette married police officer Barry Crimmins when she was just 17. 17. And she told me from the start she was very trusting of him. She was, after all, marrying into sporting royalty. His brother, the legend Peter Crimmins, played 176 games of Australian rules football for the Hawthorne Club, including its 1971 premiership. A left foot kick up towards the half-forward line, and there it is. There it is. Hawthorne of Premiers for 1971. And his dad, Brian Crimmins, played for footy club Melbourne and was a decorated Victorian police officer. Lynette said Barry's mum and dad were beautiful to her and never blamed her for what happened next. It becomes pretty evident chatting to Lynette and others at the centre of this story that this is much bigger than a bunch of stolen diamonds. Much of what Lynette tells me I can't even repeat here for various reasons. So how did a cosmetic salesperson end up a key player in a diamond heist that became entangled in police corruption? The Royal Commission into Western Australia's police service has opened and there's an amnesty on offer to any officer prepared to come forward and admit to corruption or criminal conduct. A few years after her husband Barry started working at the mine, Lynette came across him washing diamonds in the sink in their beachside home in Sorrento in Perth in WA. You'd think he would have been worried about them going down the plug hole, but Lynette told me he used a fine kitchen sieve. That was the start of Lynette's descent into a murky diamond theft. It would involve dirty diamonds from the Argyle mine in Outback WA, and the business and political stakes were high. After I got off the phone from Lynette, I called my producer Sarah to tell her about the call. So I asked her about, you know, coming across Barry at the kitchen sink. And she said, well, that day I was working for Wella Balsam because she was a kind of like a, she was a, a rep for them. And she said, usually what I do is I come in in the morning and I get croissants for everyone and I do a little brief of, you know, the different products, shampoos, dyes, mousses, that kind of thing. We're doing morning training, but I forgot my file. So I came home early. I came home to collect them. And then when I came in, I could hear water going in the bathroom. So I went into the bathroom, put my arms around Barry's waist, gave him a kiss on the neck, and he had the fine kitchen sieve out. And there in the fine kitchen sieve was all these diamonds. And her words were, what the fuck? <laughs> she said, what's this about? And then he explained about Rodden, and she's gone, uh, she said, um, you know, I'd, we've no relationship with him, you know, we know through the dogs and we never trusted him, what are you doing? So they had a bit of a blue about that. 
Lynette was wistful when she told me this story and said she wished she'd never popped home that day because this discovery changed her life forever. Here's how Barry Crimmins described that same moment when he got sprung by his wife washing the stolen diamonds in his bathroom. Barry was questioned by the Crown Prosecutor about it in court. What you're about to hear is a dramatisation of parts of the preliminary hearing of the trial of Lindsay Rodden in the Court of Petty Sessions. Actors are reading transcripts that have occasionally been changed for clarity or brevity. When I returned home, I had the diamonds, which are rough, and they were dirty, and I was cleaning them in the bathroom sink. What were you cleaning them with? Just with water, just washing the dirt off and seeing if I could determine the quality of them or the colour of them. Could you see any particular colours? I could see whites occasionally, and I can't be specific as to which trip. There were the occasional pinks involved. And then Barry recalled the tense conversation he had with his partner in crime, Lindsay Rodden, afterwards. Yes, I told him Lynette knew about it. Did he respond? He advised me that it was all right as long as I could guarantee that she would keep her mouth shut about the whole situation. So this is where Lynette joins the scheming duo. When this happens, Barry and Lynette have been married for more than 20 years. The crimin's evidence on dates was contradictory, but it was months since Barry popped that original bottle of diamonds into his locker. Remember last episode we heard that story about Barry's entry into the diamond smuggling business. It kicked off when a bottle of diamonds was left on his desk that had slipped through the net of paperwork. Lynette's job at the time was working in sales, selling beauty products like Estee Lauder. She tells the court that she was shocked Barry was working for Lindsay Rodden. Despite this, the temptation of diamonds in her bathroom sink proved too much. To keep the crimins on the hook, Lindsay Rodden promised them big money. Here's a Crown Prosecutor questioning Lynette. Did he indicate what sort of quantities of money would have come through? At that stage, he indicated millions. Did he indicate what kind of things you would be able to buy with the money? Oh, absolutely. We'd buy houses, cars. We'd all be able to retire and live a life of luxury. Never work again. And it was always very flamboyant. But the Crimmins claim in court that Lindsay Rodden failed to come good on many of these promises. We heard in episode two that every great heist has an insider and a mastermind. In this case, Barry Crimmins and Lindsay Rodden. Now our diamond heist has a covert middleman, Lynette. Barry told the court that Lynette offered to be the go-between for him and Lindsay Rodden to avoid suspicion of the diamond security officer meeting with the dodgy dealer. Lynette ferried messages between the two men, meeting Lindsay Rodden at coffee shops around Perth. She told me it was like meeting up with a girlfriend. He'd tell her outrageous stories about his contacts in the police and criminal underworld. That uncanny memory we mentioned earlier meant she'd remember everything. So Lynette's part of the Diamond Heist trio, but she still has her day job as a beauty products rep. This brings her into contact with lots of pharmacists around Perth. This was back in the day when reps would call in on the pharmacists. And often, and especially in a small town like Perth, often you would become almost friends with them. That's my local chemist. He's very chatty. He likes a bit of a yarn, but he wants to remain anonymous here. He asked me about what story I was working on. And when I told him, surprisingly, it turned out he knew Lynette. Lynn Crimmins would come in, um, 
lively, vivacious, very good interpersonal skills, very motivated, and uh, you know a, a fantastic salesperson. So I remember one time I had a couple of sunglass stands, and she said to me, "Oh, I'll do some spruiking for you." Right. And so, and and uh, I had a um, I had a little uh, uh, a little microphone set up with a little loudspeaker set up because I had a. Because well, you were in a shopping centre. I was in a, oh, was in a redeveloped yeah. uh, shopping centre up in the northern suburbs there, and uh, so she said, "I'll do some spruiking for you." So she grabbed this uh, microphone and little little sound box and went out to the mall and we moved the sunglass stands out there and away she went. And within 30 minutes, she'd sold about two dozen pairs. But actually, I don't think it was sunglasses. <laughs> I think she just did it to try and help me out. My chemist told me he was of marrying age at the time and Lynette offered him diamonds on the cheap for an engagement ring. He says he turned her down. Colleagues of his didn't. Well, that's uh, the sort of 80s in, in pharmacy in Western Australia was sort of the halcyon days of pharmacy in terms of financial returns. So you'd find there was a number of pharmacists around about my vintage who had been in business, started in business in the 80s, ended up with, um, shall we say, cash reserves. I don't understand why you're going to have to explain. Why would they have so much cash? Well, in those days, no one had an FPOS card. There were certain um, members of the profession who were in business who found they had excess to requirements. So what he's saying here is they're not putting everything through the books to avoid tax. In their 30s, obviously, maybe getting married for the first time or second time round or whatever, and they had these cash reserves and there was a, a rep in the industry who had access to cheap stones. That rep was R. Lynette Crimmins. I know of at least a couple, if not three or four, that took advantage of a, a bargain buy. And would they have known they were stolen diamonds? You know, they're intelligent people. You would think they'd have some inkling. It came out that um, this person, Lynn Crimmins, and, and, um, was uh, involved in these stolen diamonds. Well, of course, once I saw the name in the paper, I thought, well, crikey, I know. I know that person. Oh, is that why? Right. And that's when the penny dropped. I'm, you know, I'm just an innocent amongst babes, you know, but, um, but I'm thinking, oh, what about these friends of mine? They, oh, the police will be investigating this. And uh, I thought, well, they, uh, they better be pretty careful. But as far as I know, nothing happened further in the police investigations for them. And I still know these people too today, and I haven't discussed it with them, um, so I don't incriminate myself. I was worried for them. I thought, oh, you know, crisis. If this comes out, they're in, they're in big trouble, obviously. If you end up with a criminal record in pharmacy, you, you can get struck off the pharmaceutical register. You can't practice as a pharmacist anymore. Over and above any uh, the legalities and, and the criminality of it. So Lynette's been selling stolen diamonds to Perth pharmacists and others in her inner circle. She's also become the courier between her husband Barry and Lindsay Rodden exchanging the diamonds for cash. The police started sniffing around the Argyle mine and the trio got wind of this. Instead of closing the operation, the threesome doubled down. It was around this time that Lynette Crimmins had an affair with the other man in the ring of thieves, Lindsay Rodden. Barry told the court he was gutted by the discovery, not only because his marriage was starting to crumble, but because his estranged wife was the keeper 
of his terrible secrets. Next, Lynette tries to enlist new Argyle mine insiders, perhaps because the police were suspicious or perhaps because her marriage was falling apart. Rather than recruit from Lindsay Rodden's criminal underworld, Lynette tapped the shoulders of her friends and colleagues. Pharmacy consultants and ex-traffic cops were top of the list. One day, she and Lindsay Rodden meet a former New Zealand traffic officer, Neville Wigg. Over coffee, they ask him to apply for a security job at Argyle. Neville told the court if he got the job, the idea was he was to stick the diamonds up his bum to get them out of the mine. Needless to say, Neville knocked Lynette back. My producer got hold of Neville where he now lives in the tropical archipelago of the Seychelles, running a courier company. But Neville wasn't keen to say anything more to us than what he told the court. Another story that stuck out to me in the court transcripts involved Lynette's friend Kylie Anderson. Kylie too worked as a beauty consultant at Estee Lauder with Lynette. One day she received a card from Lynette. When she opened it, outslid two sterling silver fish and a brilliant cut white diamond. Not long after, Lynette rang her, suggesting her husband Flynn use his job at Argyle to steal diamonds for Lindsay Rodden. Kylie and Flynn were buying a car at the time and were looking at buying a Pajero. Lynette said if he could steal diamonds, maybe they could buy a Range Rover instead. Flynn was not interested and told Kylie to post the envelope back. So she did, by certified mail. But Lynette didn't stop there. She continued to call Flynn. We did manage to track Kylie down and she declined to be interviewed for the podcast. But she stressed Lynette's actions were shocking and she ended that friendship. So by now, the diamond heist has wreaked havoc on the crewman's marriage and Barry's position at the mine is shaky while police keep poking around. Yet the trio aren't backing off. Barry gives Lynette a particularly large diamond for her to courier to Lindsay Rodden. This diamond drew a bit of fuss in court years later. Representing himself in court, Lindsay Rodden clearly tries to downplay the value of their heist. This scene is all a bit bonkers because he's questioning his co-conspirator Lynette about events that involve him. On top of that, remember Lynette and Lindsay Rodden had an affair. So keeping this in mind, this exchange is pretty weird and tense. What was the colour? It was a very deep, deep pink. Deep, deep uh, rubies pink, Mrs Crimmins. They're more red, but this one was crimson. So what you're trying to say in effect is that the diamond that your husband gave you between September and November of 1990 was the colour of a ruby? No, I am not saying that. It was the colour of a ruby. What I was saying, I was disputing the fact that it was such a deep pink I'd never seen anything like it before. I actually questioned him as to whether it was a diamond or a ruby. Lindsay Rodden's trying to make Lynette look like she doesn't know anything about gems to discredit her. Are you familiar with unpolished rubies, Mrs Crimmins? No, you say the only reason that you would question whether it was a diamond or a ruby was the colour. Yes, but Barry didn't work at a ruby mine. What Lindsay Rodden is suggesting is that if the stone was a ruby, it couldn't possibly come from Argyle. 
I have never seen a pink diamond as deep pink as that prior to this and at this occasion. Therefore, I questioned it. That was when I was told that it was an exceptionally valuable stone and I actually have traced the ongoing activities of that particular stone. And you thought this diamond may have been a ruby in spite of being deep, deep pink? I said it is a diamond of exceptional value and in fact that the one that you missed out on the $3 million certificate for in New York, Mr Rodden, that same stone. <laughs> Your Worship, this commentary is outrageous. Lindsay Rodden would have got the hump at this point because Lynette is admitting that they were dealing in pink diamonds that were of significant value. He was always trying to play down the value of the stolen gems. Will you keep me abreast of the progress of that particular stone and then when I made overseas phone calls myself, Mr Rodden, I was also told that information. It was $3 million with the certificate, $800,000 without the certificate. I put it to you... You are a liar, Mrs Crimmins. There is no such stone. No, excuse me. This is a fantasy of your imagination. It is certainly not a fantasy, nor a figment of my imagination. I know of the existence of the stone. Remember, this is the mastermind of the whole heist, quizzing one of the people he was in cahoots with in a public court. Can you describe the size of this deep, deep pink diamond, Mrs Crimmins? Do we have the lipstick container here as the exhibit, sir? Yes. Lynette asks for a lipstick in the middle of court, but the judge informs her she's out of luck. Yes, uh, I was just going to say, right, this is a Revlon one. The brand was Estee Lauder. The colour inside the lipstick was starlet pink. All day starlet pink. So the size of the stone fitted into a lipstick container which would be, if not the same, or very similar to the circumference of this tube of lipstick. It was put in and placed on top and then wound down and handed to yourself, Mr Rodden. In relation to the diameter of that lipstick, did the stone you allege you received fit snugly within the lipstick? Yes, it went in. It was touching all sides. I'm not saying on all sides. It wasn't a perfectly rounded thing. A diamond that size and that colour are a one-off. These brilliant pink diamonds are the kind collectors like Elizabeth Taylor and the Sultan of Brunei might buy. Lynette and I spoke about this particular pink diamond on the phone and I told my producer Sarah about it later. I asked her about the very, very pink diamond. I said, how did you know so much yeah. information about that very, very pink diamond? And she said, well, she said, well, I, look, I didn't steal any bloody diamonds, but I did pass on two lots. One was in the pink lipstick, and she remained, named the starlet pink lipstick again, straight off the bat, like, I'm ringing her, like, wow. decades after. Um, so that, that was extraordinary. And she said, and I also passed over diamonds in a cigarette box. And she said, I never looked into that box. I put the box in my handbag and I gave it to Rodden. I met him down at Hillary's and I gave him the box of diamonds, but I never looked in to see how many. She said, so I honestly don't know how many diamonds are in that box, but I do know there was this brilliant pink diamond. She said, I got really pissed off at one stage and I got the phone records because he kept using my phone, Rodden did. And I twigged that there was something wrong with it, the way he was using the phone. So I rang every number. She said, I got someone to, she said, I don't know the world all that well. And I got them to, to, to mark off the numbers, the places that were to do with diamonds that were on my phone records. So she saw Antwerp, Hong Kong, various different places on the phone records. And she said, I rang all of those numbers up to see what the story was. And then, hang on, I'll, I'll find the notes around that. And then she said, then I got on to someone in New York 
And I said, my name is Miss, Mrs. Crimmins. I'm acting on behalf of Lindsay Roddens. I, I'm his secretary. And uh, I want to know what happened to the pink diamond. And they said it sold for three point something million. Wow. In 1990, Lynette and Barry's marriage crumbles. So too does Lynette's life. Within the year, she's jobless and crippled by medical bills and starts working as a receptionist at Lacherie Brothel in Northbridge to pay them off. She then takes up sex work. Barry was sort of broke up with Lynn and uh, Rodden stepped in and became her pimp and made her into a prostitute. So wasn't a very nice man. That's Robin Thoy. He was the officer in charge of the first investigation into the missing diamonds. Lynette returned to work in sales for an American cosmetic firm, but continued sex work on the side for several months. Lynette told me she was pretty clueless to the drug scene at the time, but later found out that Lindsay Rodden blew his money on gear. She said their relationship quickly unraveled over two years. One night, things got very messy and violent at Lindsay Rodden's place. The next day, Lynette wound up at a police station and eventually spilled the beans on the whole diamond heist. The police had many leads before Lynette cracked the case wide open, and we're going to follow those next episode. The ring of diamond thieves must have been feeling invincible. But then, in January 1993, Lynette Crimmins fronted here at the Warwick Police Station in Perth's northern suburbs. She was complaining of an assault by ringleader Lindsay Rodden. In her anger, she named corrupt police officers and began disclosing details of the Argyle diamond thefts. For her partners in crime, the end was near. The ABC's Four Corners picked up on the diamond heist story, investigating the involvement of Western Australia's cops in covering up the theft at Argyle. Lynette, Barry and Lindsay Rodden were charged after she confessed to her part in the theft. Lynn Crimmins' next stop was the office of Perth lawyer John Redman. Her revelations about the diamond thefts from Argyle and her allegations of police corruption were so startling that John Redman negotiated her admittance into witness protection. Here's her lawyer talking to Four Corners. Lynn had been involved in um, major offences because of her... Um, originally her husband and, and her association with other people. She had been abused and manipulated by her co-offenders. Not only was Lynette attacked by Lindsay Rodden, but after she went into witness protection, she was assaulted by another man. Lynette became a high security risk and was guarded by a police officer around the clock after she blew the whistle on the diamond heist and alleged police corruption. Just a warning this next bit could be confronting. She alleged her police minder, Roster Don, sexually assaulted her in the middle of the night. He later denied the allegation. She reported the attack to her doctor when she visited him at a medical centre hours later. I spoke to that doctor, who told me that everything that Lynette said was the truth. Despite reporting the assault, police never followed up, even though it was also recorded on her medical records. About 18 months later, she reported the assault to a police officer, Robin Thoy. He woke Lynette in the morning without a stitch on, roaring erection. No one took a statement from her, a complaint of sexual assault. 
The WA police later made significant changes to the witness protection unit so that there was always a female officer on duty with a female witness. After my conversation with Robin Thoy, I spoke to Lynette about the alleged assault. She told me that she felt she needed to be protected from the very people who were supposed to protect her. She said out of everything that had happened to her, including intimidating phone calls and death threats, this experience terrified her most. She said, I can forgive everything, but I can't forgive that man. I'm not the only journalist she spoke to about this incident. She also spoke to Alison Fan, one of WA's most well-known TV reporters. And she named the guy who was meant to be protecting her for jumping in bed because he thought he could with her, and she'd fought him off. Um, She was very, very honest and open in that way. Newspaper journal Martin Saxon has been around the traps for decades and has broken some of WA's bigger stories about political corruption. He was familiar with Lynette's honesty. She wanted to unload and just talk about things, talk about herself a lot, actually, about how she was going uh, or how she wasn't going too well. She was also keen to, um, to prove that she and Rodden had been in a relationship. She gave me some photographs which would uh, prove that she had been in a relationship with Rodden. So we're talking about compromising photos here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gave them to you? She gave them to me for safekeeping. What an interesting thing to do, to give a journal (sighs) compromising photos. Was she expecting that you'd print them at some stage? No, no. What would you do with them? No, I don't think she expected me to print them and I certainly wouldn't have (laughs) printed them. Um, But she gave them to me for safekeeping. After hours of conversations with Lynette, what both journalists said about her resonated. Lynette told me what she did and what happened to her, warts and all. She didn't hold back. But of the three involved in the Pink Diamond heist, Barry, Lindsay, Rodden and Lynette, the backlash for her part in the crime was pretty brutal. She told me that in the hallways of the Perth court, lawyers referred to her as the prosy in her company. And the media, she said, delighted in depicting her as a jilted lover. The focus of the press was less on Barry, despite him being a former cop that became the inside man on a multi-million dollar pink diamond heist. Maybe it was because he wasn't as photogenic. Maybe it was because Barry didn't court the press. Maybe, and this is a sign of the times, because he just wasn't a woman. My local chemist says he was taken aback by what he read about Lynette in the papers. I do remember the newspaper reports about Lynn and uh, Lindsay Rodden and the destructive relationship uh, and manipulative relationship they seem to have had. And uh, I, I found it uh, sad for Lynn, for her to get sucked into something like that. To me, she seems smarter than that, if you know what I mean. Um, she was certainly a very intelligent woman, but she seems smarter than that to allow herself to be manipulated by it. The way Lynette sees it, she didn't steal any bloody diamonds and should not have been crucified the way she was. After that, some members of her family turned their backs on her. Any money that she had, she's lost. Um, And overall, I kind of get the feeling that she she was quite lonely. The other thing, though, is she's got an incredible sense of humour about things. She... um, she could talk about her time even as a prostitute in ways that are funny. Um, and that was a short period of her, ta- of her life, but um, 
obviously one that she hasn't forgotten, but even when she talks about that, she has a sense of wickedness about it. It's been a very difficult life for her, um, although she describes herself as a very happy little girl and someone who was very happy until that time that she found her husband at the sink washing diamonds. And her words were, what the fuck are you doing? And I think it's snowballed ever since. Next time on Pink Diamond Heist, how our less than smooth criminals got away with it for four years. The ultimate inside job, a bent security guard and crooked coppers. If this episode has raised concerns for you, in Australia, you can contact the Respect Helpline on 1800 Respect. That's 1800 737 732. This podcast is hosted, researched and reported by me, Sinead Mangan. Sarah Allaly is the producer. Sound design and engineering by Adrian Sardi. And our executive producer is Edwina Farley. The podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wajuk Noongar people. You can follow Pink Diamond Heist on the ABC Listen app. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.